0: Man, I am just so excited to be here this morning. For those of you that I haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Jalea Garza, and I do serve as the um, executive director of ministry here. At Anchor Ben, um, and so I do- did want to tell you just a little bit about myself. I have been coming here for eight years. <laughs> like That's almost a decade of my life. I have been here at this church. I was thinking back to the fellowship that was 2015, 2016, um, which is just such a long time ago. And so, been here for eight years. God has done some incredible things, and this year has been so incredibly special. Um, stepping into a staff position here at Anchor Ben, God has just been so so good. Um, And I'm so grateful he's done exceedingly, abundantly more than I could have asked um, or even thought. And so just so grateful for for this moment. Um, I just want to share a couple of things about myself. One is that I am still a newlywed. Yes. (laughs) I got married last year, March 18th, 2020, I always have an issue with the date, because if you look at that date, that was right before we had a national shutdown, and so (laughs) we actually moved our our wedding up 10 days so that we could get married, Um, and so we drove to Pastor Jim's office, like, this is, like, panic time, we're, like, driving to Pastor Jim's office, and we're just like, you gotta marry us, like, you have to marry us, so we canceled everything else, but what was most important to us, because we'd both been mentored by Pastor Jim, was that he would be the one to marry us. And so we got married on March 18, 2020. Um, they went from 10 people could be together to just your household right after that. And we needed to be in the same household. So <laughs> so it was like, come on, like we got to get married ASAP. Um, and so, yes, yes. So we are a blended family. Together we have three adorable kids. Look at these kids. Aren't they so cute? My goodness. <laughs> Chandler is six, Roman is nine, and Ariel is 14 years old. My goodness, yes. And I just want to take a minute just to say how grateful I am to my husband. Um, He is just so incredible, Um, just truly the rock of our family. He's such a phenomenal leader, such a great teammate, and and truly my best friend. And so um, in order for me to say yes, he had to say yes um, as well. And so I am so incredibly grateful also ministry is never a one-person job and so I do want to just say thank you to my family to my parents and to honor them this morning yes we are such a close and tight-knit family but it is their foundation their strength that that is the reason that I'm here today they have paved the way for me and so I'm just so incredibly grateful for that and then finally I just want to shout out our dream team come on dream team Yes, from parking to the ushers, to our children's department, to the youth group. Man, I I just, I can't even begin to express how honored I am that I get the opportunity to lead you guys. Sundays would not be possible without each and every one of you saying yes to God's call on your life. And so I'm just so incredibly grateful to be able to lead you and to be a part of just even a small part of your journey. Um, And so before we get started this morning, why don't we just open up in prayer? Father God, we just thank you. God, we thank you for everything that you are. God, we welcome you into this place. I ask that you use me as a vessel to speak what you would want to speak this morning. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and amen. Well, we have been in an amazing series of rebuilding, and Pastor Jim has been walking us through the story of Nehemiah rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And I really love that illustration of of Nehemiah having to rebuild the walls because it reminds us that that place of being torn down, broken, lost, messed up is where the story begins. It is the beginning, not the end. And so we have been talking about how to rebuild in our faith and and how to rebuild in our finances. And today, Pastor Jim has asked me to talk about um, rebuilding families and specifically our next generation. And here at Anchor Bend, we have an amazing next-gen department. We got our AB youth. What's up, AB youth? Yes. Listen, every single Wednesday night, they are pastored and led by Alexis and Paul and the amazing AB youth team. Come on, that is my favorite night, you guys. Let me just tell you, we walk in there, they had a rock, paper, scissors tournament. Like, how do you even do that? It was so much fun. So, if you don't have your youth at Youth Night, get them there every single Wednesday. And then we also have an amazing first class children's department. And let me just tell you, church, not only do they pour into your kids on Sunday, but they take time every single week to pray for your kids, to prepare the curriculum, to develop nuggets and build crafts that are going to help your kids connect to the love of Jesus. And so that's why we always say that our children and our youth aren't the next generation. They are the now generation. Come on, somebody. And so this morning, I have the opportunity and the privilege of kicking off this four-week series all about our next generation. And so we're going to be reading from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1, and I'm going to share a few thoughts and then allow God to speak to us this morning. Now, as we dive in, we first, first know a little bit about who this man Samuel is. You see, Samuel is an incredible man of the Bible. He's one of the last prophets to judge the nation of Israel But he's probably best known for being the man that finds and anoints King David. Because King David is just like the best of the best, right? He is one of the greatest kings of Israel, and he's the boy that slayed Goliath. And so we always hear about the story of David. But where we want to go this morning is all the way back to the beginning of Samuel's story, to a time before he was even conceived. Not born, (laughs) conceived. You see, his story, like all of ours, began with his parents, and specifically his mother, Hannah. And so just to tell you a little bit about what's happening at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 1, you see, Hannah is barren, which means she can't have any children. And every year, her family goes up to the tabernacle in Shiloh, and they're praying and feasting and just worshiping God there. But there's one um, time in particular where Hannah goes in the tabernacle alone, and she is just desperate. She's praying and begging God to give her a son. And she promises God that if he were to give her this child, that she would release her son back to him as soon as she births him. And so in that moment, she encounters a man named Eli. And Eli at the time is the high priest in the tabernacle of Shiloh. And so um, she encounters him, and and he begins to have a conversation with her. And at the end of it, he begins to bless her and just ask that God grant her whatever it is that she requested. And so Hannah goes home. And after a couple of years, she does conceive and she gives birth to her son, Samuel. So we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 24 through 28. And it says, when the child Samuel was weaned, Hannah took him into the tabernacle of Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying and asking, praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life and they worship the Lord there. You see, in this chapter, Hannah gives us what, such a great example of what it is to be a great parent. It, it caused me, over the last few weeks, to really look at myself in the mirror. You know, it was funny. I, I really like to reminisce, and so I was going back through some of my pictures. Just so y'all know, I have like 10,000 pictures on my phone. Like, I am a picture hoarder. And so anyways, I was going back <laughs> through my pictures and just scrolling, um, and I found this picture. And they're, they're going to have, have them put, that up, put it up. So this is like maybe two or three years. We're actually right out here, um, right before uh, small group semester. And so taking a cute picture with uh, Chandler and look at how I'm just a family mom. I'm so, so proud of him and all of that. But then I noticed that it's a live photo. And what a live photo means is that when you press on the photo, it'll show you a little bit of what's happening before and a little bit of what's happening afterwards. So I pressed on the photo and, and this is what happened. Look at me getting on him. (laughs) I was so frustrated. My goodness, will you not just take the picture? Hannah had me so convicted because it's so easy to get caught up in the struggles of parenting it's easy to forget that we prayed for them to forget how much we wanted them in this world when they won't just smile for the picture or when they draw on your walls or when they won't for the love of God just let you use the bathroom in peace please so we are going to title this message gifted because I want to leave you with a simple reminder this morning that children are still a gift from God. You know, we probably all heard the verse, Psalms 1273, and you've probably seen it painted really cute on a little board at home goods. I'm in home goods all the time. Um, but I wanted to read it to you again here this morning. Psalms: 127:3 says, "Children are a gift from the Lord." They are a reward from him. And as simple as that verse is, it it should settle something on on the inside of us that that whether you planned every child or none of them, maybe you've taken responsibility for a grandchild or a niece or a nephew, you might've stepped in as a step-parent that no matter how your children came into your life, if every child is a gift from God, it means that God gave us our specific children for a specific reason at this specific time. He picked us. And parents play such a pivotal role in raising this next generation. Listen, listen, even Jesus, the Son of God, had earthly parents. Can you imagine what it was like to be Jesus's parent? Like, Jesus, please take a bath, stop standing on the water, and get in the water. My goodness. My goodness. So, I really just want to put our hearts under a microscope this morning and examine if we truly understand what we hold in our hands because how many of you agree that sometimes we're not the best with gifts anybody else has anybody ever thrown away a check I've done that. Maybe you haven't. I have done that. Like I have thrown away a check on accident. Anybody ever got in that new car and it is so pretty? And so you're driving around that first that first month. You have it at the, at the car wash every other week, and and, and the kids are not even allowed in the car. You're like nothing, nothing goes in this car. And then you go through that drive-through line at Chick-fil-A, and they hand you that receipt. And where does that receipt go? In the console, and it is all downhill from there. Sometimes we're not the greatest with gifts. And it reminds me of this past Christmas. You know, in our home, we always give our kids like a bunch of little gifts, and then we do that one big gift. Does anybody else do that? You do the one big gift. And so Gilbert and I decided that this year we wanted to get both of the boys a Nintendo Switch. And so, yes, yes, we invested the time in researching, and and I wanted to get them early because I was so afraid that they were going to sell out. And so um, we made it happen. Listen, Walmart, I think, blocked me for fraud because I was trying to buy more than one. I was like, I don't What is happening? So I had to buy them at two different places in order to get the the game things or whatever it was. But we made it happen. It happened. We were able to get the Nintendo Switches for the boys. And so on Christmas morning, our favorite moment was watching them open those gifts and and seeing the excitement on their face. It was just such a beautiful moment. But then, a few weeks passed. And all of a sudden, our six-year-old Chandler's switch just stopped working. So I asked him, Chandler, what happened to your switch? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. So I knew where I needed to go. I needed to go to his big brother, Roman, because Roman's going to tell me what happened to the switch. So I went to Roman, and I was like, Roman, what happened to the switch? And he was like, Chandler wasn't paying attention. And he spilled water on the switch. Oh, my gosh and so then I had to go back to Chandler because now not only had he broken the switch but then he lied and so we had to talk about it um and so we're we're talking through it and and he feels so bad that he goes and gets his piggy bank and he's like maybe this will fix it I know that's cute I was like no it won't (laughs) it's not gonna fix it (laughs) it's not we invested so much time and resource into that switch it's not gonna fix it But here's the thing, luckily, luckily, this mama bear had thought this one through, and I had gotten the warranty on the switch, because I know my kid, so that may be a word for somebody this morning, to get the warranty, amen. That might be the reason you're here this morning, so I had to put that in there. But as I thought about this story, I thought about Chandler, and how he had neglected something we had entrusted to him. You see, he had mishandled something because he couldn't grasp the value of it. I wonder if this isn't a picture of us, if we have unintentionally neglected the gifts that God has given us because we can't fully grasp the value. This week, I spent some time researching about children and their overall livelihood, and I was pretty emotional as I read some of these statistics just about kids here in the United States, and so I wanted to share those with you. Did you know that one out of seven children experienced abuse or neglect this past year? One out of seven. So that means in a class of 20, for all my teachers, Philip, I know you're a principal, in a class of 20, two, out of three, two to three kids in every single classroom experienced abuse. And 76% of the child abusers, like the abusers, were their parents. And last year, there was an estimated 420,000, close to half a million kids in the foster care system. The number one most common form of child abuse is physical, mental, and emotional neglect. And neglect may sound so extreme to you, but I was convicted. Because I read this, I I wondered if sometimes we can neglect our kids for other good things. Can we admit that sometimes we just get distracted? Like we're enthralled with work instead of family time, concerned about the cleanliness of the home and making sure that everything in its place. How many hours do we spend scrolling through Facebook and Instagram and sending selfies on Snapchat? How many days do we spend worrying about the next day and stressing about life? Our minds are just occupied. And so this is why there is such an urgency to reestablish the importance of our children because a lack of value can cause us to mishandle these gifts that God has given us. So I wonder if our methods, our thought process, time management would change if we reread Psalms 127.3 and really got it on the inside of us that children are a gift from God. They are a reward from him. Because I love that Hannah fervently prayed and asked God for a child and that he answered her request. But what I love more is that she shows us that it is what we do with those gifts that really matters. So together this morning, we're gonna look at two ways that Hannah shows us as parents, as teachers, as families, how to handle the precious gifts that God has given us. And the first way is that Hannah trusted that God has great plans for every child. Before Samuel was even born, Hannah had released him back to God and to God's will for her lives. But, but how many of you guys would have struggled with doing that if you had been in Hannah's position? Because for, for most of my life, I had always grown up hearing that mama knows best. Anybody else? Mama knows best. Mama knows best. Like, have you ever had mama walk into your room and then look you dead in the eyes and be like, I know? I know. And you're like, what do you know? So I can fill in the gaps and try to save myself. Mama knows best. And so when I stepped into parenthood, I took that on. I'm like, I know best. Mama knows best. I wore it like a badge. I got this. I got it. And because we know we plan their lives from the moment they are born, I know my kid is going to be a linebacker. I don't know what a linebacker does, but a linebacker, a musician. Listen, that kid's my doctor. He's going to take care of mom and dad when he gets old. Come on, somebody. Yes, and so we work so hard to get them to live out these plans that we've created. We want them to go to the best school so that they can get the best education. We want them to be the best on the baseball team, to graduate valedictorian, to go to the best college. We promise them that they can be whatever it is that they want to be. But the sad thing is, we don't even ask God what He wants for our children. Because if we did, We learn that mama doesn't know best. I'm sorry, mama. But God does. And that being whatever you want to be is the American dream, not God's dream. You see, in Psalms 139, 15 through 16, it it says, you watch me. As I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was even born. Every moment, you guys say that, every moment, was laid out before a single day had passed. God designs destiny in every child before they are even born. And I think again about Chandler. He's so funny and sweet, but I never knew the the meaning of the word strong-willed, until God gave me (laughs) Chandler. You see, strong-willed for all those parents who have the really sweet and quiet and perfect kids, that's not my story. Strong-willed comes out as opinionated and vocal. Strong-willed shows up in the class reports, like in the folders and in moved clips and in calls from teachers. That's what strong-willed does. (laughs) Like at some point, I just stopped checking the folder. I'm like, he's in daycare anyways. It doesn't really matter. Like, I'm not checking the folder anymore not doing it. I almost stopped answering the phone calls too, but I was like, it may be a safety thing, so I probably should answer. (laughs) But I spent so time, so much time thinking that I was such a terrible and incapable parent because I thought I had done something wrong. If I would have had my way at first, I would have tried to morph Chandler into an agreeable and quiet and easygoing child. But thank God he began to reveal some things to me about my kid. You see, God told me that there was nothing wrong with my son. In fact, he showed me that he had placed powerful leadership on the inside of my son Chandler. And then he began to show me in so many different ways. Like, I cannot tell you how many times Gilbert and I have walked in on Roman doing Chandler's homework. Romans 9, Chandler 6, and Chandler's like, no, do that. No, did you color that correctly? And we're like, kid, you have to do your own homework. You can't pass that off to other people. I always think about this past Easter. We're out in the field with 35,000 eggs, and and it's just mass chaos. And and all of a sudden, this woman comes up to me, and she's like, are you Jolea?" And I'm like, yeah, I'm Jolea. I'd never met her before. And she hands me a lollipop, and she's like, your son from the bounce house handed me this lollipop and said, give this to my mom. Her name is (laughs) Jolea. And she found me. Like listen, delegation is a mark of a leader. That kid is a leader. But if I had had my way and focused on my plans, on my vision for how he should look, I would have molded him into something he wasn't designed to be. So I had to release him back to God. I told God, I don't know. I don't know what you wanna do. I don't know what his story will look like, but I trust your plans way more, way more then I trust mine. But Chandler is not alone. Parents, I want you to know that God has a specific plan, specific plan for every child, every teenager, every young adult. What would happen if we released our images and instead just helped our children embrace and uncover and walk out God's plans through their lives because his plans do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine? We should long We should long for our children to become exactly what it is that God has created them to be. And the second thing that Hannah knew is that there is power in getting our children to the right place. I think about the faith it had to take Hannah to go and deliver her son to a tabernacle but, but God wouldn't have forced Hannah to do that if, if she didn't want to. I'm sure she could have kept her son and, and done whatever. But, but Hannah still chose to go and, and take Samuel to the tabernacle. And, and she left him there with Eli, who, who really raised him in, um, in the presence of God. And, and what I love is that we see that Hannah really made the best decision she could have ever made for Samuel. Because if you look ahead in Samuel's story to 1 Samuel chapter 3... One of the staples of his story is the first time that God calls Samuel. And so to set the stage a little bit, you see Samuel is sleeping, and Eli is sleeping. And so Samuel's probably in one area, and then Eli is probably a couple feet away in a different room. And and God calls Samuel three times. But every time Samuel hears the call, he goes to Eli and asks if he's called him. And every time, because he, he has never heard the voice of God. And so every time he goes and asks Eli if he calls him, Eli sends him back to bed. But on the third time, I'm sure Eli at this point is just over Samuel waking him up and it's just like, please stop. And he realizes that it's probably God that's calling Samuel. And so Eli in that moment teaches Samuel how to respond to the voice of God. And then he sends Samuel back to his room. And so Samuel is laying there. And if if I were Samuel, right, I'm I'm not going back to sleep. So I'm just laying there. I'm like waiting. God, I'm ready for you to call me when you're ready. And so this time... When God called him, he was able to answer. He said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And in that moment, he receives the first of many, many words from God. Hearing the voice of God is what unlocked Samuel's destiny. See, it was the same voice that Samuel had to be able to hear when he went out looking for King David. But you see, Hannah as a parent wasn't the one to unlock destiny for her son. Samuel learned to hear the voice of God in the house of God. All Hannah had to do was get him there. One of the statistics from Barner Research that I like to share with our AB Kids team all the time is that 69% of adults who consistently attended Sunday school before the age of 12 are actively engaged in a church every week today, 69%. Because I I love that stat because it doesn't say that 69% of children who grew up in Christian families or Christian households, not 69% of those who played every sport or graduated at the top of their class, but 69% of children who had someone from their church home engaged and love them on a Sunday morning or at a Wednesday night youth night stayed in church as an adult. No wonder, you guys, no wonder it's so hard to get here. No wonder it's so hard to get our kids to youth night. That's probably the day they act the worst. Sunday mornings are, are super hard. And so I wonder if if any parents this morning have have been trying to do this on your own. Even raising your kids the right way and it's just left you feeling frustrated and hopeless. It is not a lie when it says it takes a village to raise our children. We have to be unrelenting about getting our children to church because this house is where God begins to unlock what's inside of them. You know, I think about our nine-year-old Roman um, we were on vacation just a couple of weeks ago. And and while we were on vacation, we were sitting around the dinner table and we just decided to ask the kids, hey, what do you wanna be? What do you wanna be when you grow up? We like to get updates. And of course, you guys are probably not surprised when Chandler went, I want to be king. And we were like, king of, king of what, Chandler? He's like, of everything. And we were like, okay, you go be king, Chandler. But Roman is a lot more pensive. And so he took some time to think about what he wanted to be. And then he said something that that we weren't really expecting. He said, I think it would be cool to be a missionary. (laughs) A missionary. Gilbert and I never sit at home talking about missions or mission work. We're homeschooling this year, so the kids are with us pretty much 24-7, except for the times when we drop them off in class at church. So I knew that the seed for missions was planted right here in the house of God in a gym as he was being pastored by adults and young adults and youth that love God and that are passionate about kids what I know is that we won't get it right half the time we just have to be diligent about getting our kids here to this village listen We are not forcing our children into religion. We are introducing them to relationship with God. A couple of weeks ago, I got to hear an amazing story um, from John and Kelsey who attend here with their four kiddos. And so uh, this morning, I thought it would be really cool for us to share that video with you. So why don't you check it out?
1: Hi, we are Kelsey and John Ford and just wanted to take a moment to tell you about our time finding the church um, with the kids. Um, we moved down to Texas from Kansas in late 2019, coming from a really big church where the kids just loved to constantly go and play and very welcoming and had been going there for quite some time. So Four years. Yeah, so yeah. when we came down, we wanted to really make sure that we found a good home and place to so they can continue to have that. Um, that feeling and that, that want. Um, so as we came down, we kind of found one of the first churches that we were looking at and it was a big, huge campus. It reminded us a lot of uh, our old church and we thought it was gonna be really good going in there. They had all the toys, they had all the environments, the big classrooms. Um, but we could never make it through a full service. We always got called out almost immediately when we sat in our chairs. The kids were always crying when they either came out or as we were walking up. They always told us that they didn't want to go to church anymore, and that was pretty tough. Yeah,
2: because church has always been really important to us. Um, Ever since we had our first kid, John and I both decided that we wanted to make church a priority, Mm -hmm. and it was a non-negotiable for us, and so it was devastating to feel like, we were able to do what was really important because our kids were having a really hard time. So from that point on, we tried that church for about how long, like three or four weeks, maybe?
1: It wasn't very long. No,
2: like, so maybe about a month. And I had just told John, I'm like, look, this isn't working. We need to find something else because the kids aren't happy. And if they're not happy, we aren't happy because we weren't even really able to focus on our own spiritual journey. Because the whole time that we were at church, we were always worried about how the kids were doing, if the kids were happy, if the kids were um, gonna make it the whole service. And it was actually just really stressful for us when church should be a really happy time. It was just very stressful. So I decided, like, hey, Let's go find somewhere else. And I spent a lot of time looking online because the thing about Texas is there's so many churches mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, and I found Anchorman and <laughs> I told my husband, I'm like, look, there's this church and they're operating out of a high school, kind of weird, but um, what do you think? Like-
1: the, the first time they came onto campus, I mean, obviously you have the parking lot team and the greeting team and all that. And it was just such a welcoming environment. I mean, it was immediate. Everyone just had huge smiles. They were so excited to see the kids, and everyone was so excited that it was our first time there. Yeah. Um, and, and I've noticed that now as, as we've continued to go. Every single time we walk in, it's, it's a, a huge greeting, a huge welcome. Um, there's just great people all over the place, and, and that's what's been so good.
2: Church has been like a really solid foundation for our family, and it's been really refreshing to come back and to um, have our kids find a place Place where people are still wanting to invest in them and still wanting to put love into them because I feel like that's what our kids really need right now. And it's really refreshing to feel like we have that in the midst of a pandemic. And I think something that should be said is this experience has really taught Mom, John and I that it doesn't really matter where your church family is. It's not, the building doesn't matter. Like it's not gonna make the church. What's making the church is the people that are putting in the time and the effort and to loving your kids and to um, doing it right and making your kids feel safe and happy. And that really is what Anchor Bend has done for us. And so we're so thankful for you guys. Um, our kids still really look forward to church every Sunday. They always ask when we're gonna go to church. We can literally be leaving church on Sunday. And they're like, when are we gonna go to church mm-hmm. again? <laughs> when are we gonna go to church again? So you guys are doing something really special.
1: I guess the only other thing that I would add is is kind of a story about the kids and. I mean, it's just kind of a testament to if they weren't going and not in person, if you guys weren't there, I mean, we wouldn't be having this, but we were kind of pulling out of an area and I was kind of parked halfway, kind of in front of a railroad track. And um, my daughter said, you need to get off the railroad tracks. If the train hits us, we're going to go to heaven. I said, well, if we go to, we probably won't go to heaven. I wouldn't let anything bad happen to us. And and our young, or our Keaton, um, he's three, coming up on three, he said, well, it's okay if we go to heaven because then we'll be with Jesus. And I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's <laughs> while we sit here and we pray and we go through, we pray for four meals, we pray for bed, we always talk about it. That's not something that we taught. Um, that was something that he pulled away on his own. From y'all. From you guys. Yeah. Um, so don't feel like that you're not reaching out to even the, the little ones that are there because no matter what, they're soaking it up, they're listening, and um, you guys are doing a great job with that. So we really appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing, and um, God bless you guys.
0: Thank you. Isn't that so powerful? Man, I love little Keaton. (laughs) Jesus is in heaven, and I love Jesus. So, so sweet. You know, I want to make this promise to you this morning that here at Anchor Bend, we are pouring everything we have into your children. I am convinced that there is a mandate in our lives to raise and train up the next generation right now. This month alone, we have had 16, 16 kids say yes to Jesus. I believe that God is planning to do something so big them and something that we have never seen before. And so I just want to make that promise that we love your kids. And as you're helping them uncover God's plans for their lives, we are here ready to join and partner with you in unlocking their destiny. Why don't you stand with us this morning? My heart today is that we would just recognize the value that our children hold And I want to take a minute to pray over our parents, if you guys would be willing to bow your heads and close your eyes. The parents who may be feeling overwhelmed or convicted. Maybe you're a single parent. Maybe a family member who took on kids that that weren't their own. Maybe you I I really felt like God told me there are some parents with children that are a little bit older, that that may be a teen or a young adult, and, and you think they've gone too far. I just want to let you know this morning that they haven't. It's not too late if you're wanting to step into a new season of parenting, a season with God at the center, I wonder with if every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would be willing to raise your hand this morning. I'd love to pray for you. God, I thank you for every parent with their hand raised, for what you spoke to us this morning. I ask that from this moment forward, you would give us the strength and the wisdom and the energy and discernment to follow you boldly as we raise our children. I pray for a refreshing, and infusion of your hope and your presence. Cover each family. I speak destiny that far exceeds anything we could ask, think, or imagine. We ask that right now, today, you begin to unlock what's on the inside of them. In Jesus' name.